We're so glad to see you all this morning. And uh, I know for many of you, this is your first time encountering this slightly crazy family. And uh, we're glad you're here. And uh, uh, we'd love to keep you in touch with what God is doing here. And so if you look at the racks on the tables, there's, uh, there's a welcome leaflet there. It looks like this. And there's also uh, a connect form where you can give us your email address uh, so we can keep you in touch. And you can just drop that in the offering boxes that are on the wall at the back uh, or in the baskets at the front before you go. We'd love to keep in touch with you. Thank you, Jane and Ira. It's uh, beautiful to worship Jesus together, isn't it? And uh, we're going to look together at what it looks like to be spiritual mothers and fathers. Because although we've been celebrating that we're God's children, God's purpose in making you his child is that you become a spiritual mother or father to others as well. So what I'd like you to do first off, and there's paper and pens on the table so you can reach for that if you'd like to, I'd like you to think for a moment about people who've really made a spiritual difference in your life, spiritual influences in your life. Jot down their names and think about what that looked like for you. Give you a couple of minutes to do that, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll turn to Scripture together. Okay, so we're reflecting on spiritual leaders in our lives. As you think back, you know, it may only be a relatively short time for you, or it may be a long time, but there will be names and faces come to mind. Think about what you're thankful for with those folks. Think about what God has done in you through those people. I've been around a long time, so I've got a lot to remember. <laughs> All kinds of faces and names coming to mind, even as I'm asking you to do the same. Each one with a different impact, each one with a different influence. It's exciting, isn't it, to just stop and think. And you probably won't get to the end of that exercise this morning. But, uh, you can keep that and carry on with it um, as kind of homework, if you like. What I want you to catch out of what you're doing is just how important it is to have other people in our lives. People who make a positive difference in our relationship with God. People who help us move forward in that relationship. Because there's nobody in this room, I guarantee it, even though I don't know the whole of all of your stories, I guarantee there's no one in this room that your relationship with Jesus, your relationship with the Father, has been entirely independent of other people. Nobody. Right? You didn't get where you are just by God doing it all in you. And God doesn't have a purpose for you that's separate from all the rest of us. This is community. You know why? Because God is a community. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and we're created in His image. And so we are to be community as well. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 for a second, because this is where we're going to kick off this morning, thinking about spiritual fathering and spiritual mothering. 1 
1 Corinthians 4, towards the end of the chapter, verse 15, Paul writes to the Corinthian church, and incidentally, the Corinthian church were a lot more funky than this church. They had all kinds of wild stuff going on. <laughs> okay, yeah, some of us aspire to get closer to that, and that's fine too, but he writes to them, for though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That's why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. And you can go on reading, but I think you get the point from those verses. What Paul is saying is, you're not an island, but you need parenting. And as you become parented, like Timothy, you find yourself becoming a parent. I'm sending you, Timothy, my son, my child, to father you. Because you've got lots of guides, but you don't have many fathers. The word that's translated guide there is the Greek word that we get our word pedagogy from. I have several teachers in the room, or ex-teachers in the room. You understand pedagogy. It's knowing where somebody needs to get to and telling them how to go there. It originally came from the servant in the household who would take the children to their lessons, to their tutors. And then it became the person who became the tutor. But the guide is literally one who leads a child. One who takes a child to somewhere. So the guide knows where they want to take you, and they make you go there. Which, if I now kind of zoom out to most of our church experience here in the United States or anywhere in the West, come to that matter. I mean, I've lived in three different nations in the West, and they're all much the same when it comes to church experience. There's lots of guides. There's lots of people who will tell you where to go because they know where to go, and you have to follow them. But what I want us to catch this Father's Day is that there is a vast difference between guides and fathers. And though the U.S. church and the church in the West has many guides, we don't have many fathers. You follow a guide, but with fathers and mothers you belong. That was tweetable, wasn't it? You follow a guide, but with a father and mother you belong. And those of you who've been around for a while know that that is really our foundational value here, is that you belong. Because it's what God wants for us. And everybody's looking for belonging these days, aren't they? The trouble is they're looking more and more desperately in all the wrong places. You know, they're looking for belonging politically, and we all get divided about who's this and who's that, and I'm not going to go down that wormhole at all. But the reason it's so polarized is because everybody wants to belong. They want to be in the in crowd. 
Uh, and the, it's the same with all of the confusion about gender identity. Everybody wants to belong, and so if I adopt this different identity that seems to be in right now, then I can actually belong. And it actually creates more confusion, not less. Or maybe everybody wants to belong, and so they want to go to whichever church is the most successful church right now. I'm picking out all the controversial stuff just to illustrate, but everybody wants to belong, right? There's only one place to find true belonging, and that's in Our Father. But our Father doesn't create belonging for you uniquely and independently, like we already said. All of you have thought of people who've been an influence in your life to bring you to where you are in your relationship with the Father. Father wants us to have fathers and mothers, and he wants us to become fathers and mothers. So Father's Day is not just about men who happen to have had biological children. Father's Day is about our Heavenly Father who loves every one of us. And he wants us to grow in our understanding of becoming fathers and mothers. So you may not have ever had a child of your own, fathers or mothers, but you can still be a spiritual father or mother. In fact, you can be both, but I'll get to that in a minute. There's many fathers and mothers in this church family. And that's because we make this our foundation. That everyone who comes here would know that there's a place where they can belong and where you can become who you're meant to be. You see, the problem with guides is you all end up going to the place the guide takes you and you all end up looking the same. But if any of you have had more than one child, you know they all turn out different. Jane and I have three sons. They're all completely different. I love to hear from all three of them, but what I hear from each one is very different in tone and in vision and in direction because they're all different. They were raised in the same family by the same parents in the same home. They ate the same food. They went to the same schools pretty much, and they all turned out different. Go figure. Well, it's because God doesn't want more than one of any of us. He's a God of huge, infinite creativity. And so you're unique, and he wants you to fulfill a unique purpose and a unique destiny. Come over to 1 John chapter 3. There's a great verse there that I'd love you to take hold of. It's the first verse of chapter 3 of John's first letter, 1 John 3 verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God and so we are. You know, until you get a revelation that God loves you as a child, when it's simply head knowledge, there's something in your heart goes, well, mm, nah, but when you read that, that's why John adds, and so we are. Whether your heart agrees yet or not, you are a child of God. It's very powerful because the Father himself loves you. That's why this whole Christian thing came around. 
because the Father and the Son had a plan for all of us to know the Father. And so spiritual fathers, and to some degree biological fathers, but whatever your story, whatever your history, it may be good, it may be bad, it may be unknown. Whatever your history with biological fathering, you have spiritual fathers. And true fathers are like God. Because God is a father. True fathers reflect God in all kinds of ways. The first way that a father becomes a father is to invest his own substance into his children. Right? Which is why, I mean, I'm so glad Caleb's here this morning. <laughs> when you look at Caleb, you're like, oh yeah, he's Roger's son. Because they look, I mean, apart from the beard, they look alike, don't they? You know, give him a few more years. But it's clear that the father has invested his substance in the son. Now, Laura did too. She did a lot more work than Roger did. But, but you see the likeness of the father in the son, right? And God does the same. If you look a little bit further down, that's why I asked you to come with me to 1 John 3. Look at verse 9. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. That's a good idea, right? <laughs> For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. Well, that's the same as we just talked about, that Caleb looks like Roger. You look like your father because his seed abides in you. You couldn't have come to faith if he hadn't planted that seed in you by the Holy Spirit he invests his own substance into his children. And then the second way that a father, a spiritual father, or a good biological father resembles God is that a father sacrifices for his children to become who they were meant to be. And that's easy to do when you're a loving father. I'm just going to keep on riffing on Roger here because, you know, he's the newest father in the room and he'll forgive me because he has to. <laughs> but I've seen that man sacrifice for that little guy and for his wife. I've watched him let go of things that he would have loved to have held on to so that his family benefits. I've watched him go the extra mile to do things that his family needs. I've watched him make sacrifice. And any of you who've been fathers, and mothers, I'm not excluding you, I'm going to come to you in a minute because actually that's more important. But we're starting with fathers because it's Father's Day. A father sacrifices for his children to become who they're meant to be, which is why we do this every week. Because our father sacrificed for us to be his children. And it cost him everything. And that's why we celebrate. Because it's worth celebrating. Now don't be sad about it. God loved us. Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. And then the third way that fathers are like God is that they impart identity to their children. To catch that one, you need to come with me back over into the Gospels, to Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3. 
Matthew chapter 3. Didn't have enough bookmarks, so bear with me while I turn pages. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 17, the very end of the chapter. Jesus is being baptized by his cousin John, remember? And the heavens were opened and the Spirit of God descended like a dove and came to rest on him. There's lots of significance to all of that. And we won't go into it for, because of time. But a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. The Father speaks to the Son in the hearing of everybody saying, This is my Son with whom I am well pleased. Fathers impart identity to their children, not just with that phrase, but by their very lives. And if you notice, God is pleased with Jesus before Jesus has ever done anything. He hasn't done any miracles yet. He hasn't done any raising the dead yet. He hasn't done any of that stuff. But God is pleased with him because of who he is, not because of what he does. Very important that we catch that because the guides will tell us. I don't mean the Girl Scouts who come here on Thursdays. but I mean the guides in Christ will tell you, you've got to follow this path to this destination and then God will be pleased with you. And if you're not careful, you can hear it as, I've got to measure up. I've got to do this, I've got to do that, I mustn't do the other, you know. And if you've been around for long enough, you may remember the days where we wouldn't be able to go to the movies, or we weren't allowed to dance, or you're not allowed to drink alcohol, all these external things that you have to check the boxes to make sure God will like you. But the Word of God says God likes you because you're you. He also says there's a lot of stuff you're not going to do because his seed is in you. So don't, don't hear me wrong this morning. I'm not saying we can just go and do what we like. <laughs> but it's all about who you are and not about what you do in God's sight. So, given that I've had a prompt from a mother over here, let's talk about mothers for a moment. Because fathers reflect God, but mothers do too. We said fathers are like God. Well, mothers are like God as well. I don't just mean biological mothers. I mean spiritual mothers too. I don't just mean women, but we'll get to that in a minute. John 14. This is Jesus speaking again. John 14, verse 16. Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you, that's us, another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jesus is promising the Holy Spirit to his followers. And this is a little nerdy, so forgive me. But the word helper is paraclete, one who comes alongside. 
Just like if you get a traffic ticket and then you get yourself an attorney, someone who comes alongside you, who knows the system better than you do, to enable you to get justice. It's the same word for an attorney. Jesus is promising us a helper. And the word paraclete is a masculine noun. But he goes on to describe the paraclete by saying he, the paraclete, is the spirit, which is a neuter noun, has no gender, the spirit of truth. And truth is feminine. All the way through the book of Proverbs when it talks about wisdom. Wisdom is feminine. So Jesus is deliberately mixing it all up here. And he's saying that truth and wisdom and helping and coming alongside is a facet of God that is just as feminine as it is masculine. Because, yeah, it's all of it. Thank you. It's a good job you're here, isn't it? (laughs) God created humanity in his image, male and female, masculine and feminine. Yeah? So although we say he a lot, it really isn't. It's they (laughs) or he, she or she, he or all kinds. Yeah, never mind. Let's not go too far down that hole either. Mothers are like God because Holy Spirit comes alongside to lead us into truth. Truth is feminine. Wisdom is feminine in Scripture. In fact, the Hebrew word in the Old Testament for the Spirit is ruach, and that is a feminine noun. There's another little clue there that there's this feminine aspect of God, character of God, that our mothers give to us. And so, Mothers are like God by their example. Like I said, biological mothers and spiritual mothers, they impart faith because they show us what Jesus is like. They remind us of truth. Jesus says, Holy Spirit's going to remind you and lead you into all truth. It's going to come along and it's going to put an arm around you and bring you into a place that you couldn't get to by yourself. Second way that mothers are like God is by nurturing life. Right back in the beginning of creation, the Holy Spirit broods over the waters. When God wants to bring the supreme, the eternal answer to man's sin into the world, he chooses a young girl and he overshadows her and then she broods God's incarnation and brings Jesus to birth. So they nurture life, but they also bring comfort and rest and peace. I love watching how the spiritual mothers in our church family, some of them are biological mothers and some are not, but the spiritual mothers in our church family, if anybody is hurting you see what God does because immediately he comes, they're surrounded by all these ladies all going, yeah, let me pray for you. It's a beautiful picture of spiritual motherhood. And mothers sacrifice. 
We talked about fathers sacrificing, but mothers sacrifice, don't they? They sacrifice in different ways. But mothers sacrifice with energy. Mothers sacrifice with time. Mothers sacrifice with emotional investment. I don't know any mothers of biological children who don't constantly fret over what did I get right? What did I get wrong? Are they okay? Did I? Could I have done more? Etc. I'm sure it's not just in our house that I hear that repeated refrain. <laughs> so fathers are like God and mothers are like God. Surprise, surprise, because men and women can both exhibit fathering and mothering tendencies because we're all created in the image of God and God is both. So no surprise, right? <laughs> if you are a tender man, that's beautiful. If you are a strong, powerful woman, that's beautiful. Because we're created in the image of God. And every one of us should develop the ability to exhibit father-like tendencies as well as mother-like tendencies. Some of you know I used to travel a great deal when we first moved here to, to Conway. I used to travel a lot and teach on God being a loving father. And one of the things that's so important with that is for people to actually have a tangible expression of God is right here for you. So whenever I travel, I used to take extra shirts with me because I would embrace people and they would snot all over my shirt because God's love was touching them. And they're like, oh, I'm sorry. And I'm not. If you're encountering God, who cares about the shirt? It can go in the laundry. I've got another one. It's okay. You have to make a choice to receive mother's care and mother's tenderness and mother's nurture because the helper has to come alongside. And too many of us have made the mistake of thinking, I have to grow out of needing her whether it's your earthly mother or Holy Spirit, God's reflections in the spiritual realm of spiritual mothers reflected to you through those who will treat you with nurture and care in the body of Christ. They may be men, they may be women. You've got to let the helper come alongside. So there's a choice to accept mothering that will help you to grow into who you were meant to be. But you also have to choose to receive what fathering can give you. You see, you get to choose. Nobody's forcing any of this on you, <laughs> but you get to choose. And if you want to receive a father's wisdom and a father's impartation of identity, a father's strength and protection, you have to pursue him and you have to imitate him. Notice the difference. Mothering, you need to let it come alongside and wrap around you. Fathering, you've got to say, I want that, and go after it. Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 5 says this, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom, inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. 
when I realized that you have to pursue fathering, it changed my relationship with my earthly father. I started to pursue what he could give me in terms of wisdom and impartation, and, and our relationship was totally different because I, choose, I chose to pursue. Now, where did I learn that? I learned it from spiritual fathers. Where I made a commitment in my heart, this person is going to be like a spiritual father to me, and I'm going to say yes to whatever they ask or whatever they suggest, and I'm going to pursue them for what they have to impart to me. It started out with uh, our friends Roger and Sue, who were actually both like spiritual fathers to us. And when we were in a place where basically I was in it for my own benefit, Christian Conference Center, where I was waiting for the boss to retire so I could take over and prove that I was spiritual. Yeah, I know it smells, doesn't it? I'm sorry, but you know, it's a long time ago now. The smell's not quite as bad as it used to be. But we went to Roger and Sue and said, look, we're having a challenge here because there's a conflict with the boss who's still there. Because quite rightly, he didn't want that smell in his, in his team. <laughs> and they were like a spiritual mother and father to us. And they said, you know what? You probably don't fit in this setting because God's got more to do in you and God wants to move you to work in your lives. That's not the exact words they used, but that was the gist of what they meant by what they said. And so Jehovah Sneaky ended up moving us from the UK to Toronto where we got an impartation, a revelation of God's fatherly heart in the revival that was going on through the, the, the church there at the time that changed us into who we've become today. Now, it didn't happen overnight. It wasn't some magic wand. But because of spiritual fathering, we were able to step into what God wanted. But we had to pursue it. To get that wisdom, to get that door open, we had to actually go from the very south coast of the UK to the far side of London, which in American terms isn't much, but in English terms, good grief, that's crazy. Nobody in their right mind goes from East Sussex to North London for the evening. Do they, Laura? No. Do they, Larry? No. Right. See, they've got English plants all around the congregation here. <laughs> You just don't do that. We were crazy, but it worked because we pursued it. Okay, mustn't chase squirrels. You've got to pursue, and then 1 Corinthians 4 verse 16, where Paul's talking about you don't have many fathers, he says, I urge you then be imitators of me. So you pursue fathering, and then you copy fathering. My greatest spiritual father would be John Arnott. I learned to be a spiritual father because of John. And do you know how John taught me to be a spiritual father? He kept pushing me in the deep end. He kept thinking I could do what I thought I couldn't do. And so I tried to be an imitator of him, not to copy his style, but to actually trust God the way he trusted God. And he gave me all kinds of opportunities to do that. I think I've told you this story before, so forgive me if you've heard it before, but... We'd only been in Toronto, what, three, four months? Something like that. I'd been ordained, I think, for two weeks at this point. And I was asked if I would be the leader of the meeting, the kind of MC, not the speaker, but the leader of the meeting for the Sunday evening healing service that we held every week. John was the speaker, and our friends Jeremy and Connie were leading worship. And this is the very first time I've stood on this big platform with all these people, and I'm as nervous as all get out. It's like, ooh. <laughs> 
but I've got my papers and I'm shuffling them and I'm, you know, I know what I'm going to do. I don't have to do much. Make a couple of testimonies, ask people to pass the baskets for the offering, make a couple of announcements, introduce John. But even that felt huge. <laughs> and it's the last chorus of the last worship song and I'm just getting ready to go up on the platform. And John just strolls over to me as cool as a cucumber. And he just, he takes the microphone away from me and he says, we need some words of knowledge, Mark, get some. And then he walks up on the platform and he says, Mark's got some words of knowledge. Literally that much space of time. And I'm like, ha ah. But I got some because my spiritual father, who's pushing me under the bus, is connected to my heavenly father who knows that he'll catch me when I fall in the deep end. Because if John needed words of knowledge, he could have got some. It does it all the time. Up to that point, I hadn't. But because I'd made a choice in my heart that I'm going to follow this man and I want to pursue what's on him so that some of it rubs off on me, it worked. And that's the dynamic God has designed us all for. Find somebody that you like what's on them and follow them around. Let it rub off. Because not only is that your goal, but actually you will then have stuff on you, the anointing that rubs off on the people who follow you. So this is not about having people on pedestals and we all follow them. That's guides. Fathers give birth to children children become fathers. That's God's process. It's been going on for thousands of years, right? Be imitators. You can't become a father or a mother until you become a child. But I want to suggest, and this is where I'm going to land it, I think, for this morning, give you a, a little bit more homework to reflect on before we pray. But I want to land it into First John chapter 2. Because I have a little hypothesis here, and I'm going to just offer it to you. First John chapter 2 is fairly well known, I think, where John tells us who he's writing to. So verse 12 of First John chapter 2. He says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. That's a perfect starting point, right? is to know that God accepts you. That all the stuff you've done wrong, all the ways you've fallen short of what God planned for you, he forgives it because of Jesus. And you become a child of God. Then he says, I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who's from the beginning. So the qualification of fathers is that they know the father. Just like I became a better father as I developed and, and restored my relationship with my earthly father as well as my heavenly father as well as my spiritual fathers. In all those different ways I became a better father because I'm knowing the father. And then he says I'm writing to you young men because you've overcome the evil one. It takes a bit of strength to overcome the evil one so you need to be a young man to do that, right? <laughs> Grow up from being a little kid learning to crawl. Go Caleb. Well, he's not crawling now. He's just supervising Alex. But <laughs> You grow up from there to young man status. Right, Nate? 
Brandon? Where's Daniel gone? You know, all the younger men in the room. And then he says it all again. Here's a little clue. <laughs> when something's repeated in Scripture, it's really important. So he says it all again. I write to you children because you know the Father. Well, wait a minute. Wasn't it because my sins are forgiven? Yeah, but you know the Father too. Because you become a child of God when your sins are forgiven. So don't ever lose your childlikeness where you delight in having your sin forgiven and knowing the Father. This is not a sequence as much as it is the three facets of who you're meant to be all the time. So you don't grow out of being a little child. He says that you've got to enter the kingdom like a little child. So don't ever lose the joy of being forgiven and having a heavenly daddy. And then he says, I write to you fathers because you know him who's from the beginning. That's what he said already. So therefore, if he's saying it twice, it must be really important. Knowing the father, seeing the father in the people around you, Growing in your understanding of the Father by becoming a spiritual father yourself, ladies and men, is all part of that process. Grow into adulthood. I write to you young men, verse 14, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you've overcome the evil one. So now the young men have, gr have added a bit more. <laughs> Originally, they've overcome the evil one, but now he says that you're strong and the word of God abides in you and you overcome the evil one. Everything God says to us through his word makes us stronger. It also overcomes the deception. That's what overcoming the evil one is about. The evil one's trying to distract you and, and sell you a lie. But the Word of God will help us not to fall for that trick. We used to play a game with our children back when we lived in Toronto with all the big billboards alongside every street. The game we played was, what's the lie they're trying to tell us? Because basically advertising is lying to you. The evil one wants to lie to us so that we miss out on what the Father has for us, which is that connection, that belonging, that being who we're meant to be through spiritual fathers and mothers and becoming spiritual fathers and mothers. So you become fathers and mothers by knowing Father God and by making him known to those around you. I found a quote from Dr. Howard Hendricks. He said, oops, put it on the wrong piece of paper. He said, every disciple, every follower of Jesus needs three types of relationships in their life. You need a Paul who can mentor you and challenge you. You need a Barnabas who can come alongside and encourage you. And you need a Timothy, someone you can pour your life into. You need a Paul, someone who can mentor you and challenge you. You need a Barnabas to come alongside and encourage. And you need a Timothy, someone you can pour your life into. So you may be at a point in your life 
where one of those is more prominent than the other two, but God has intended for you to have all three because God's eternal purpose, as you read the whole of this, because I recommend that, by the way, (laughs) don't just take a verse here and a verse there, get a picture of all of it. As you read all of it, you'll see that the eternal purpose, the whole, the broad sweep of all of this, from the very beginning of Genesis to the very last verse of Revelation, is that the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, want to become more than that by what they do in humanity. They want to become a community of four. The Father, the Son, His Bride, and the Spirit. And that's where you and I fit into that picture. We are all part of the Bride as we become spiritual fathers and mothers. So for a moment, before I pray, we've got a few minutes left, I would like you to turn to somebody near you, maybe just in twos or threes, and just talk about how have you experienced the family of God in the church, and how has God touched your life as a result? How have you experienced spiritual fathering and mothering so far? And how has God changed your life as a result of that? Or if I was to say to you, I want to imitate you as you follow Christ, that's what Paul says, right, in Corinthians. If I said that to you, I want to imitate you as you follow Christ, what would you hope that I noticed in you? What would you hope I copy in you? Or is there anything you'd hope I wouldn't see? No, let's not go there. (laughs) Talk about that for a couple of minutes, and then I'll call us back together, and we'll finish with a prayer for each of us. All right, let's draw back together to close out. As I said, one of our foundational values is that we be a community, a family together, where we can each call out and draw out what God wants for each of us. And I hope that that's taken place a little more as you've talked with one another, uh, that uh, God's desire for you is that you flourish into who he wants you to be. And uh, we've got lots of spiritual mothers and fathers in this church family who help us as we do that. Uh, Jane and I are not the only father and mother in this place by any means. Uh, Actually, we're going to go away. We'll miss the next two Sundays because we're going to a retreat to learn more about how to be spiritual fathers and mothers. So uh, expect more when we come back. But uh, there's lots of others going to be still here. So if you are willing to continue to grow and to become or to continue to be a spiritual father or mother, would you stand with me? Because I want to pray over that process for every one of us. (laughs) Caleb's standing. There's no age limit on this. So let's just hold our hands open in, in, uh, in a, pl- a position of receiving. Father, thank you for the 
seeds of revelation and truth that you've planted into each heart afresh this morning. And we let them go deep now. <laughs> we welcome you to come water these seeds, Holy Spirit, as the seed of the Father rests in each one of us. Holy Spirit, would you nurture and water and cultivate that seed to grow into the maturity that you've created every one of us for. And so I bless every person in this room to take another step forward today into being a spiritual father and a spiritual mother to those around. I bless the process that you're in, each one of you, of receiving from the spiritual fathers and mothers around you a greater impartation to grow you into who God designed you to be. So I bless you in your childlikeness. I bless you in the strength that's growing in you as a young man or woman in God. And I bless you as a father or mother in the faith to pass that life on to those around you. Father, let your spirit rest on every one of us to make this church family and every church family in this, in this area into a place where you can grow us more and into a place where we have fathers and not just guides. We ask it together in Jesus' name and all God's children said, Amen. Amen. Please remember to fill out a connect form if we haven't got your email so we can stay in touch with you. Uh, there's going to be some great input while we're away. Uh, Nancy, Robert, and uh, Jamie, others are sharing, so don't miss out. And make sure you don't run away before you said hi to somebody. God bless you. <laughs>